us. So today I do want to speak on and the steps of repentance, but we're dealing with a lifetime of self-improvement because that's what repentance helps us with. It's, it's a lifetime of self-improvement. I'm not talking about you living your best life today. I'm not here as a motivational speaker. I'm talking about self-improvement God's way. And if we self-improve his way, God will take care of everything else, both natural and spiritual. So the scripture says in Psalms 51, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. This is David speaking after the prophet Nathan had confronted him about his transgression. David had seen a woman taking a bath. David inquired of that woman. David, being the king, took that woman. Well, he wasn't supposed to do that. First of all, now there's many reasons, but the main reason was she was a married woman. And then she was married to someone that was loyal to him. It just keeps getting worse. So now not only does he have a change of heart, tell Bathsheba to go back to her own husband Uriah, but he takes her, keeps her, sleeps with her. It's called adultery. He sleeps with her and then has his good friend, his loyal friend, his loyal warrior put on the front line of a battle to have him killed. We call that murder. So David did all that, went on about his life until the man of God came into his life and confronted him about what he has done. And once David was confronted, he took another man's woman. He had the man killed. Woo, this sounds like 2020, don't it? This happened with King David. Then after he was confronted by the prophet, this is when David writes Psalms 51. He says, have mercy on me, O God. You see the first words out of his mouth? Have mercy on me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to thy multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my, someone say, transgressions. He says, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I have acknowledged my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. He can't stop thinking about it. Can't shake it. Anybody here been wrestling in themselves because you just can't shake it. You can't shake it. I got to get rid of this. I got to stop this. I can't. That's how David was feeling. I, I got to shake this. It's ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mayest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts and in the hidden parts thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me, somebody say, with hyssop. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Somebody today can make the decision to repent. 
and you can be washed, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Cleanse me, wash me, I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Anybody ever been to a place where you know you messed up so bad your bones hurt, your body hurts? Verse number 10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Lord, speak to us right now. Help us, God, right now to see it the way you want us to see it. These are your people. This is your church. These are your sheep, God. I am your vessel. Help me, God, to speak every word that is intended. I don't want my flesh to get in the way. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody say amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Before we go further, it's important that we clearly understand what repentance really means. In the Old Testament, there's a Hebrew word that is pronounced nachum. I've even heard it pronounced nachem, which means to turn around. Nachem, which means to turn around. When it comes to the New Testament, there's a word in the Greek, metatonia is how you pronounce it. Metatonia is how I've heard others pronounce it, which literally means to change the mind. So repentance in the Old Testament refers to turning around, and in the New Testament, repentance refers to a change of the mind. Repentance fundamentally means to change your mind about something. It has to do with the way you think about something. You've been thinking one way, but now you think the opposite way. That's repentance, the changing of the mind. Repentance is the changing of the mind. Often we treat repentance as a statement. We often say, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Hopefully that checks a box and hopefully it alleviates our guilt. But if we look closely at the book of Psalms chapter number 51, we see that repentance is a turning away from sin and a turning towards God. It's a turning away from sin and a turning towards God. It's deeper than just saying, please forgive me or I'm sorry. A process that doesn't merely alleviate guilt but cultivates deep joy. So let's look at a few steps here on how we can grow in a joy-giving habit of repentance. The first step is we must define the sin. That's the number one thing. We must define the sin. The first step to meaningful confession is understanding what sin is. David uses three words in Psalms chapter 51. He uses iniquity. He uses the word sin. And he also uses the word transgressions. Each term has been deliberately chosen for its unique meaning. Transgression means rebellion against God's authority and law. Iniquity is distortion of what should be. 
distortion of what should be. And sin is missing the mark. For the Bible says in Romans chapter number 3, verse number 23, it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So everyone has missed the mark. And since everyone has missed the mark, then we need mercy. And once we have defined what sin is, that's why we need to go to the second thing, which is we need to appeal to God's mercy. That's why the Bible says in the book of Psalms, as we read in 51, David said, have mercy on me, O God. See, once David realized what he has done, he appealed to God's mercy. That's the first thing he did. He said, have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love here, David appeals to forgiveness based on what he knows about God's character. That is, he is a merciful God. Hallelujah. He's a merciful God. The scripture says, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercy. Someone here today needs to understand that the Lord has unmeasurable mercy. No matter where you are, no matter where you have been and what you have done, the Lord has unmeasurable mercy. Once you realize that you have sinned and that we are sinners, then we must appeal to God's mercy. We must humble ourselves and go to him and realize that we need mercy from an almighty God. You cannot tell yourself or allow other people to tell you that you've gone too far, you've done too much, and you cannot receive God's mercy. That is a lie from the devil. Anybody that tells you that is lying to you because I'm here to tell you that you can receive mercy from an almighty God. Matter of fact, many of us wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. His mercy never runs dry and it will never run out. For the Bible says in Lamentations chapter 3, verse number 22, it says, It is of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed because his compassion fails not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Somebody needs to tell themselves you woke up with brand new mercy today. Amen. The Lord doesn't operate off of old mercy. He operates off of new mercy. So why are you operating off of yesterday's mistakes? You need to operate off of what you need to learn and take advantage of today. And that is his mercy. But let's look at verse number 21 in that same chapter of Lamentations, chapter number 3. The Bible says, this I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. See, uh, Lamentations was letting us know here that he recalls this or he reminds himself of the Lord's mercy. He reminds himself that the mercy of the Lord is new every morning. And that's how he retains hope. Because he knows if it wasn't for the Lord's mercy that was new every morning, he wouldn't be where he is right now. We wouldn't be where we are right now. But because of his mercy and his compassion, it fails not. So we should recall this to our mind every single day. Why is this important? Because the third thing is we ought to avoid defensiveness and see God rightly. Avoid defensiveness excuse me, defensiveness and see God rightly. Meaning David's sin hurt multiple people. He committed adultery, he orchestrated a murder, and he tried to cover it all up. 
And yet he says in verse number four, if you used to read verse number four, the scripture says, David said, against you and you only have I sinned. Now, how can this be? Remember, sin is missing the mark, but it's ultimately missing the mark of God. It is God's mark. Our sin does hurt others, and we must seek forgiveness from them. But all sin is ultimately against God. That's why we must look to Jesus. We must learn to make ourselves right with God first, and he will help us make it right with others. When we choose to make a mistake, it not only affects us, but it affects others as well. We must understand that. That when we make a mistake and when we do things, oftentimes we say, I'm not hurting nobody else but me. No, you're affecting other people. Oh, when we make mistakes, it affects others. We can try to be selfish and say, I'm not hurting you. I'm only hurting myself. You have no idea how many hours our parents and loved ones stay up crying and weeping, hoping for a change. Hoping that phone doesn't ring at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning thinking it's bad news. Oh, it affects other people. In David's case, he destroyed an entire family. See, we're not talking about in-laws. We're not talking about cousins, nieces, and nephews. The scripture doesn't talk about that. But it affected an entire family. But David understood that his sin was against God first. And that's what we must understand. That before, and what we ought to teach ourselves right now, before you even go to the individual to apologize, you first, we need to go to God and ask for forgiveness. That's the first person we need to ask for forgiveness from, is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we ought to look to Jesus, the fourth thing. That's why David writes, cleanse me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Why did David use the word hyssop? He knows hyssop signifies purification with blood. And he knows that blood alone can make him clean. We must be cleansed of our sins. It was the blood that Jesus shed for us on Calvary. That's why the songwriter Andre Crouch wrote a song, The Blood, It Will Never Lose Its Power. There's a verse of that song that says, It soothes my doubts and it calms my fears. It dries all my tears. It's the blood that gives me strength from day to day. Because the blood will never lose its power. The Bible says in 1 John chapter number 1, verse number 7, but if we walk in light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from how many sins? All sins. Cleanses us from all sins. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And to cleanse us from how many? All unrighteousness. Hallelujah. He can cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You mean to tell me there's not anything that I've done, that the Lord can't cleanse all unrighteousness. But we must first look to Jesus. And then the next thing is we must ask God to break and heal us. Ask God to break us and heal us. For David says, let the bones you have crushed rejoice. When God reveals our sin to us, it's painful. It's never pleasant to confront just how unholy we are. 
But like a doctor resetting a fractured bone, it is God who breaks and in who sets and God who heals. We must allow Jesus to be the operator of our life. We have too many people performing their own operations and we're not qualified. We don't have the right license. We're trying to heal ourselves when we should give ourselves to the Lord and allow him to break us and allow him to heal us. Because when we give ourselves to him, he makes all things right. But when we try to fix our situations and try to repair our own selves, that's when we make things worse. Oh, I know I'm talking to somebody in here. We've all been there where we've made things worse than when they started. But when we give it to Jesus and look to him first, he's able to make things right faster and quicker than any of us can ever imagine it can be done. So we must allow him to be the operator of our life. And then we must be comforted by the spirit. For David says, do not take your Holy Spirit from me in verse number 11. The fact that David is grieved over his sin is a sign that the spirit is at work in him. Take comfort. We ought to take comfort in knowing that the grief you're experiencing is a sign that you have the Holy Spirit working in your life. Causing you to hate what God hates. It's important that when we feel that tug and when we feel that conviction, that is a good thing. The problem is, is that when we make mistakes and we feel no conviction or no reason to change from those mistakes. But when you make a mistake, when you and I make mistakes and we feel bad about the mistake, no, that's a good thing. You should take comfort in that, knowing that that is God's spirit working on you, saying that you ought to change your life. But in order to change, we must look, we must look to Jesus. And we must give our life to him. And to him only. Because when we place it in his hands, he's able to take care of it. But when we want to make choices ourselves and try to do it ourselves, Jesus is just going to stand back. And allow us to try to fix it on our own. Has anybody ever got, you don't have to raise your hand, this is a rhetorical thing. Has anyone ever got yourself in so much trouble? And you say, well, I got myself in it, I need to get myself out of it. And you end up digging yourself even a deeper hole. And if you just would have gave it over to Jesus Christ in the first place, you'd be digging out of a two-foot hole instead of a 20-foot hole. And then now you're down in a 20-foot hole, you saying, Lord, throw me a rope or something. He said, well, you didn't need a rope. All you needed was my hand when you was only two foot deep. But now you're 20 feet deep. Now you need a rope. Amen. It's important that once we realize what we have done, and when you feel the conviction that is God's spirit, you ought to take comfort that the Lord loves you enough to work on your heart. He loves you enough to say, you don't have to go down that road. He loves you enough to say, you've got to change that way. He, see, that's God's love. That's what that is. You shouldn't take that for anything else but God's love. Because he's trying to teach you to hate what he hates. I'm going to say that again. He's trying to instruct us to hate what he hates. See, as long as we continue to entertain the things that he hates and we have no conviction in it, but God is trying to help us. No, I don't like that. So let's change 
from that way. And once we've been comforted by the spirit, we can rejoice and proclaim truth. For the Bible talks about in verses 12 through 15, David asked God to make him so joyful about his salvation that he can't help but proclaim the gospel to others. The scripture says, open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. This is important because so often, too often, we do the opposite. We wallow in our sins. And we draw back from serving him and others. We beat ourselves up too much. We condemn ourselves too much. We push ourselves down too much. When God is trying to get us our ten- get our attention and say, no, 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 uh, I, I, I love you too much. And you, we, some of us, including myself, that's why I say us, we make mistakes and then we come down so hard on ourselves that we don't even allow the Lord to comfort us with his spirit. He wants to give us comfort, but we're refusing the comfort. Oh, can I talk to you here today? He wants to give us comfort, but we're refusing the comfort because we're too busy telling ourselves that we're no good. We'll never add up. We'll never make it. I'll never be able to do this. And then the next thing we do that is even worse, we start comparing ourselves to other people. Can I help somebody here today? Then we start looking across the aisle. We start looking across the cubicle. We start looking throughout our family, and we think we'll never add up to that individual. One of the reasons why I did not want to become a preacher was because of my own family. Father's a preacher, very good preacher, strong preacher. Preaches all, preaches all over, dynamic preacher, still to this day. I have cousins, uncles, all preachers. The Lord began to deal with me about being a preacher. I said, oh, no. <laughs> I said, you got, the, you got the wrong one. You've already got an Eddie Robinson. There don't need to be another Eddie Robinson preacher. You don't, you, don't, you don't need to, uh-uh, I'm okay. I'm not, mm-mm, not doing that. I was already condemning myself, settling myself short. Why? Because I was comparing myself to other people, not allowing the Lord to use me and take me in the direction that he was wanting to take me. You know, we do that too often. We do things, we have mistakes, or we go down certain paths and we look how other people, what God is doing with them, and we try to compare our walk to their walk. But God isn't using you how he's using other people. He wants to take you down your own path. Why? Because it's a one-on-one relationship between you and him. It's not a group relationship. No, Jesus wants a relationship with you. He wants to know you for who you are, and he wants you to know him for who he is. He's not talking to the Robinson family. No, he says, Eddie Robinson, I want to know you, and I want you to know me. So how he deals with you is how he deals with you. It doesn't matter how he's dealing with everybody else. Who cares how he's using somebody else? You just rejoice with them and watch how the Lord wants to use you. And because other people seem to recover from things faster than you doesn't mean you're less holy than what they are. Can I help somebody here today? 
Doesn't mean you're less qualified. Doesn't mean that God's hand is on them stronger than he wants his hand to be on you. Oh, no. Mm -mm. Oftentimes when we talk about the hand of God being on someone in such a powerful way, it all comes and stems from one thing, and that is a willing spirit. That's it. It's a willing spirit. It's a person that is willing to yield to what the Lord is wanting to do in their life. Because the Lord will ask, but if you say no, there's nothing the Lord can do. God can tell you to go. God can speak to you and want you to do certain things. But if we don't yield to it, if we don't humble ourselves to his word, if we don't allow ourselves to go after the things that God is calling us for, then the Lord's just going to stop talking. See, many of us have said to ourselves, why is the Lord done talking to me? I haven't heard his voice in a long time. I haven't heard his voice in years. Well, that's because you stopped listening to him years ago. So why would the Lord continue talking to somebody that doesn't want to listen? Amen. You know, it's like our children. I keep yelling your name, yelling your name. Well, I don't know what you do in your household. Now, in my household, if I got to yell your name two or three times, if I get up, <laughs> we're we going to have a problem. Look, I know you heard me talk. <laughs> oh, I didn't, that, that, that's, I know you heard me talking to you. Some of us are waiting on God to get so frustrated that he yanks us out of the chair and say, I know you heard me talking to you. See, that's not like the Lord. God doesn't do things like man. He continues to just be gentle, give you subtle hints. He'll continue to speak to you. He'll allow things to take place and happen in your life, knowing that had to be God. See, some of you wouldn't be where you are right now. You know it was God. You know it was the Lord that brought you out of situations. You know it was a God that picked you up. Some of us out there doing this and doing that, knowing that we shouldn't be where we are in our right mind. But God, but God is giving you the strength God's giving you everything that you have right now. And we have the audacity to say, where's God been in my life? He's been right there the entire time. He's been right there. Today, the Lord wants to speak to somebody here today. That's why the scripture says, as David began to proclaim in verses 12 through 15, he says, open my lips, Lord, and my mouth would declare your praise. I would declare your praise. It would declare your praise. It's so important to do. But the joy of forgiveness should compel us to share the good news. Because after you have rejoiced and proclaimed the truth, the very last thing is to resolve to obey. That's the last thing. You must obey. We can do all the steps that I gave you above, but if we're planning to sin in the same way, then grace isn't truly taking root in your life. What God desires is the mark of true repentance, a heart that is broken by sin and truly contrite. That's why David says, in my joy, it is my joy to tell others of God's grace and forgiveness depending on Jesus every step of the way. Once the Lord has dealt with you, you have defined the sin. I'm going to keep saying that again, the sin. 
Some of you may say, well, pastor, I've got more than one. Doesn't matter to the Lord. Whether you've got one or a thousand, doesn't matter. It's just sin. And God can take care of the one just like he can take care of the thousand. It does not matter to him. The God that we serve is able to take care of all things. I'm going to say that again. All things. He's not limited like we are limited. He can't just handle one thing and not handle the other. No, he can handle all things at the same time. And once we understand that we have sin, shaping in iniquity, we're born in sin. Once we understand that, we must recognize we need God's mercy. Because too often we use repentance as something that we just say, I'm sorry. Can you forgive me? That's not repentance. Repentance is a change of mind. So when you have repentance, you have a changed mind. So when I begin to say, when you hear other people begin to say, repent, repent. Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's why we preach that you cannot receive the Holy Ghost without repentance. Why? Because repentance is not just saying, I'm sorry, Lord, please forgive me. No, it's a change of mind. It's saying I was going this way, but now I'm choosing to go in a different way because I know the way that I'm going is not the way that I need to go, but I need to change my direction. That's why he said you must repent. And once you change from your ways, once you ask the Lord to change you and get the things out of your life that needs to come out of your life, then you need those sins washed away. Once you have changed, now you get baptized. Because many people have come to me asking, I need to be baptized again. I need to be baptized over. Why? Because they have been feeling guilt in their life and they think they need to be rebaptized, having that washing away. No, what you're missing is, is a spirit of repentance. Once you are baptized the way the Bible says to be baptized, because the Bible speaks about there's only one Lord, one faith, one baptism. So there's not multiple ways to be baptized. There's only one way to be baptized. The scripture lets us know that we are to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Because that's how we have remission or removal of sin. When we baptize, we don't baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. No, uh-uh. The scripture says that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in the name. In the name. The name of the Lord Jesus. Once we have been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, you don't have to be baptized over and over again. Why? Because your sins are forgiven. They are removed. They're washed away. What we must understand and take hold of here today is a spirit of repentance. Because when we do things that are not according to the word of the Lord, no, you don't go back and get rebaptized. No, we need to repent and have a change of mind. Why? You could get baptized 15 times and still go back to the same thing. Because you don't go back, or let me say this, you will continue to go back until you have a change of mind. 
Amen. Until you have a change of mind, we will continue to go back to the things that we've always gone back to. That's why I thank the Lord for the opportunity to repent. I thank the Lord for the opportunity that he has given us to ask him, God, work on my heart. Change my heart. Change my mind. I want to put it down. I don't want to go back to those things. I don't want to go back to that. But God can give somebody here today a change of mind. Matter of fact, I'm here to tell somebody, all of us need a change of mind. There's not an individual in here that is perfect. There's not an individual in here that is doing everything just right. If you are, you need to come. But nobody is doing things perfect. Everybody in here needs a change of mind. Because we all have things that we're struggling with. We all have things that seems to be holding us back. But the Lord has given us an opportunity to say, Lord, help me. I want to lay down those drugs. I want to lay down that alcohol. I want to get out of that bed with that woman. I don't want to do those things. I don't want to cuss and holler and scream. I don't want to do those things anymore. I want to do things the right way. Change my mind. Because once you have a change of mind, you will lay it down. Once you have a change of heart, God will get rid of it. Once you have a change of mind, you can be around others that's smoking and drinking and cussing and hollering and sleeping with women all over the place. But God will remove you. Because of repentance. Because when you have repentance, it will help you in your home. It will help you in your life. Why is that? Because you're moving away from the things that God hates. That's what that is. But we must learn how to repent. Repentance is not when you cry. Repentance is when you obey. I know that's the truth. Oh, yeah. My kids would come to me, oh, daddy. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't want to do that again. Okay. I forgive you. I love you. Give me a hug. Oh, yes. It only take about 90 days later. <laughs> that's, that's good? 90 days is good? Okay. <laughs> well, they're still young, so. It won't take too long. There they go again. Getting right back into it. Doing it again. I thought you said, oh, I forgot. I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> That's what my five-year-old says. I forgot. I just told you yesterday. You forgot that quick? I'm sorry. I forgot. Okay. All right. I forgive you, baby. I forgive you. Amen. I'm preaching about my five-year-old. She go see this sermon one day and be like, come on, daddy. But there's been no change of mind. You see? There's no change of mind. Because repentance is not crying. You can cry all you want. That doesn't mean you changed. Does not mean change. But when you go to God and ask him to change your mind, Oh, I'm, I'm trying to help somebody here today. Somebody here today needs a change of mind. 
then, then the Lord will take things away from you and you won't go back to, I'm trying to tell somebody, the things that you're struggling with right now, God can take it away today. He can take it away today if you ask him, God, change my mind. It's not about just falling on your face crying. Get right back up. Go right back to it. Pick it back up. Go right back to it. Pick it back up. No. He wants to change this. It's this that needs to be changed. That's what he wants. God wants the mind. That's where repentance is. It's a change of the mind. And when you can change your mind, then your direction changes. Your direction won't change until you change this. Am I helping somebody here today? Because once he gets a hold of this, it's easier to obey. Hey, Y'all might as well get ready. I'm going to be talking about this all month. Oh, somebody say, I ain't coming back here next Sunday. Oh, I've got more. It gets better and better. This was just the appetizer. I'm telling, because I'm, I'm trying to help somebody here today. And, and, and you know what I'm, I'm tired of, just frankly, of what I'm tired of? Where we hoop and holler, dance and shout, run around the aisles, no change. What, what for then? We should have just went to the gym. We can run around the track, hoop and holler, and, and do some jumping jacks at the gym. If we're not going to change. But the Lord is in the business of changing people. He's in the business of changing hearts. He's in the business of changing lives. And because my life has been changed, my mind has been changed, that's why I dance. Because I remember what I used to do, but God changed my heart. Now I'm going in a different direction, and I can say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. But I won't be able to dance if I'm still doing the same thing. That's why when we worship, it's hard for some of you to worship. That's why when we dance, it's hard because we're condemned by the things that we haven't changed our mind about. Ah, uh, but I want to help you today. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. God is in the changing lives business. Come on, let's stand to our feet right now. I've preached enough. I've said enough.